Hello, everyone, and welcome to Family Game Night, your bi-weekly podcast for all things board game and card game related. My name is Jordan Roman, and I will be your host this evening. Joining me today, I have a a good friend of mine uh, bringing in a game of questionable reputation. My, my friend Bingo. Hi, Bingo. First of all, thank you so much for calling me your friend. I agree. Hi, Jordan. <laughs> I'm Bingo. I don't really have any online presence, and uh, you guys can probably never follow me, so that's great. Um, I post art sometimes. I mean, my first guest was my mother, and she does not have an online presence either, so... <laughs> I'm, this is clearly not meant to be a thing where it's like, look at these cool pe- like these famous people that I have on the show. It's more just, these are people I like that I want to talk about games with yeah no i just you know when you watch podcasts people are like oh i'm doing this and that and it's like i'm not doing anything so don't worry about it this is an every man's podcast yeah and speaking of talking about games what what game did you bring for us uh i wanted to talk about monopoly which i've heard is your favorite game i don't know who spread these lies <laughs> and slander but monopoly is i'm not gonna lie I was hoping this would be a game that either got talked about way, way later on, or that just never came up in the show somehow. I genuinely do not like this game. Well, you... I mean, not to spoil, but you had a lot of fun when we all played it last week. We'll we'll get into that more towards the end. Uh, For now, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the history of the game first. It has a uh, much more colorful history than I realized going into it. So, Monopoly was first published back in 1953 by Parker Brothers, and then later got absorbed into the game's current publisher, Hasbro, back in 1991. Oh, Hasbro. Yeah, Hasbro. It's always Hasbro. <laughs> well, actually, no, there was, I forget what, it, I think it was Milton Bradley that did Battleship. Mmm, okay. So, there, there's some variety. It's not a full Monopoly, if you will. Ayo! Anyway. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> So, despite that, the game's origins actually go back as far as 1903, when it was originally called The Landlord's Game, and was created by Elizabeth Lizzie Maggie. Now, Maggie's original game came with two sets of rule. The anti-monopolist set, where everyone benefited from the creation of wealth, and the monopolist set, where the goal was to control everything and crush your opponents into fiscal dust. So, basically, an idealized version and an American version. Remember when we were talking about choosing this game and I was like, oh, it's really political. And you were like, don't talk about politics. And I, was I like, quickly realized how pointless that was. <laughs> There's no way around that. I was like, do you know what, do you know what Monopoly is? <laughs> I don't want it to get too deeply like, I don't want to get too personally political, but yeah, yeah, yeah no, there, there, there are political aspects of it that we will definitely dive into later on. I will not call for my comrades or anything like that, but it is a very political game, which is super interesting. It, it is, and we'll get into why that may or may not be good or bad later. Mm-hmm. So, that is actually not the full true origins of the game. Later on, Charles Durow discovered and recreated the game under Monopoly in 1932 and also got the copyright for it and sold that to Parker Brothers. Parker Brothers then later learned that Darrow had simply adapted the original game as created by Maggie and so bought the rights to the patent she had for $500. 
Oh, man. Yeah, so this Daro guy just saw this game, thought, this is fun, but it could be better, and then profited off of it without consulting Maggie at all, which that, is wild. That feels a little meta for Monopoly. <laughs> it actually does, and I hadn't thought about that until you said it. Uh, it's super interesting. If I can interject here, I did my own. Uh, I did my own research on this, and it turns out that Maggie uh, was left out of like credits for the creation of Monopoly for years. Like up until the 1970s, everyone thought it was the brothers that made it, and then it's only now that it's coming to light, like how much she was involved in the creation. Yeah, she she really did get done dirty by a game that she made. To talk about. <laughs> An economic yeah. system. <laughs> and also, you know, equality and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a little ironic. Man, this is going to be the episode that tanks this show or gets me the largest cult following ever. Who knows? We'll see. We're not talking that deeply. No, no, no. Uh, though I did find, after all the whole Maggie thing, or I guess technically in between that, given mm-hmm. what you just said, Monopoly had a little bit of an interesting point in uh, the UK. Hmm. So in 1936, Parker Brothers began to license the game for international sale. And then in 1941, the British Secret Service, or I'm sorry, the British Secret Intelligence Service, working with John Waddington Limited, the UK's licensed manufacturer for Monopoly, went on to create and distribute a special edition of the game for war prisoners held by the Nazis during World War II. That's so interesting. (laughs) Yeah, no, they sent the games out as fake charity organizations created by the British Secret Intelligence Service, and these special editions contained real-world maps, compasses, actual money, and a ton of other things that would aid the soldiers in their escape from Nazi capture. That's crazy. Yeah, I had no idea about any of this. I took AP US. I, I took AP history in high school. Why was this not on the curriculum? Well, that's too cool for a regular curriculum. That's like really interesting, though. It is, and it gives me almost enough respect to Monopoly to, you know, maybe not hate it as much as I do. But it, if anything, it kind of speaks more to the British Secret Service. <laughs> So, getting back to more the game itself, Parker Brothers only ever released two editions of the game. There was the regular version, and then the deluxe version. However, Hasbro, good old Hasbro, everyone's favorite Hasbro, when they got the game, they decided that that wasn't enough, and they released multiple different versions and editions of the game. Now, for funsies... I decided to look up some different editions of Monopoly, and I found what I think is ultimately a pretty small sampling, but I would like to read through that now, if you, if I may. Oh, of course. I love this part. Okay, so here is, again, the very small sampling that I found on various editions of Monopoly as sold by Hasbro. The America Special Edition. Monopoly Avengers Game. Cocktailopoly. Casinoopoly, Brewopoly Monopoly, Monopoly Coca-Cola, Monopoly Cthulhu Board Game, 
American <laughs> Chopper Monopoly, Harley Davidson Legendary Bikes Edition, Futurama Monopoly Collector's Edition, Monopoly Astronomy by Parker, Brewopoly, Drinkapalooza, Gardenopoly, Monopoly Hotels Game, Chocolateopoly, G.I. Joe Collector's Edition, Bible Bibleopoly, The Nightmare Before Christmas Collector's Edition, Fallout Collector's Edition, Make Your Own Opoly Board Game, Monopoly Empire Game, Marvel Comics Collector's Edition, Bass Fishing Lakes Edition, Monopoly The Office, Grateful Deadopoly, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Collector's Edition, Pirateopoly, Transformers Collector's Edition, Monopoly Nintendo, Super Mario Bros. Collector's Edition, The Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition, Pokemon Kanto Edition, Despicable Me Edition, Oceanopoly, Sexopoly, XXXopoly, Adult Board Game, Photoopoly, You Build Monopoly, M&M's Monopoly, Looney Tunes Limited Collector's Edition, Union Pacificopoly, Yu-Gi-Oh! Edition, Pink Boutique Edition, Street Fighter's Collector Edition, World War II, ironic, Zombieopoly, Wineopoly, Baconopoly, World of Warcraft Collector's Edition. <sighs> you forgot the most important one. I think I missed a few of them, but that was all the ones on the list I found from a quick Google. There's also the one that I had when I was a kid that made me really fall in love with this game was the Pokemon Monopoly version. The first Kanto I, one. That's what I said. I said Kanto edition. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I missed that. There was just yeah. so many. <laughs> I think it was after the Legend of Zelda one. Oh my goodness. And, and that's not even the only Pokemon one because I know there's at least a Jogo one. There might be a Hoenn one too. There's a lot of Monopoly. There's a Hoenn one because I bought that one for my brother a few years ago and I got stopped in an airport for it. Okay, so you know what? No, we'll let that one go. <laughs> it just, uh, do you want me to explain? It's a quick story. Uh, I, I, I'd like to keep this brief if possible. Okay, totally we'll fine. Leave, we'll leave that to the imagination. Totally fine. Uh, so, despite all these different editions of the game, one would assume it's a very popular game, right? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, it has a bit of a mixed reception, and most people will either be on the fence on they love it to death and it is their favorite game and they love it more than anything and all that stuff. And then there's the rest of the world who finds this game to be little... Little less than a three to four hour at best torture session. <laughs> and this is not just like casual public opinion. Many publishers, including Wired Magazine and Dirk Solko, viewed Monopoly as overall poorly designed and a negative game. And then Board Game Geek lists Monopoly as among the 20 worst out of almost 10,000 different games, with the average community ranking being a 4.36 out of 10 from over 25,000 thousand different reviews sounds like a bunch of people lost monopoly and didn't get over it yeah <laughs> it's insane how much people do not like this game and how much hasbro is unaware of it i mean do you think they're unaware of it or do you think they just kind of like really cater to that to that small group of people who are like really avid fans and will buy any version of monopoly for the collection well, it's interesting that you say that, actually, because I think I have something that might cater to both arguments. Did you know that there is a World Championship Monopoly tournament that Hasbro hosts? That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's been going on since 1973, with a grand total of 14 of these. Oh, uh, wow. But it didn't really become international until 1975. The last one was held in Macau in 2015, and the current reigning champ from that is Niccolo Falcone from Italy. That's a cool name. Good for him. The ultimate capitalist. 
<laughs> we, we were supposed to have another one this year in 2021, but Hasbro decided to cancel the tournament for, you know, reasons. Oh, that makes sense. So it's like an Olympics uh, schedule where they do it every few years. I don't know that it's that regular, honestly. Like, hmm. it, there were some years early on where it was like every year, every other year, and then it just, the distance between each tournament increased. I wonder I wonder how they play. I wonder if they play with, like, actual money, and then if you, like, win, you get to keep that pot, or... Oh, uh... my... That's insane. Well, there is... They have released Monopoly editions that have actual money, and it's been, like, a... It's been, like, people would go and buy Monopoly, and then some of the boxes would have actual money in it. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it was released in France. Let me look at my research. Yeah. Wow, that's... That that makes sense, but at the same time, that's just wild to think because there's a lot of money that gets passed around in Monopoly, so that must be the most expensive board game on the planet. So basically, for the 80th anniversary of Monopoly's first appearance in France, manufacturers are providing 80 board and manufacturers provided 80 boards that had actual Monopoly money, and one of them had a major jackpot where all of it was money. And it would have 20,580 euros. Of actual money in your Monopoly game. What? Wait, was this like one that was sold separately? Or was it like a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory thing where it was just mixed in with a regular Monopoly and you just had to try and figure out which one had jackpot? It was It was a, It was was like a promotion like that. It was like a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory kind of deal. Oh my god. That's, yeah. That's brilliantly disgusting or disgustingly brilliant. Take your pick. Yeah, and then there was 69 sets uh, that had, like, five 10-euro notes and five 20-euro notes. So it was only really the one board that had, like, a significant amount of money. Yeah, but I can only imagine the Hasbro France's profits must have been amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, with Monopoly, because we've talked about this, it has a long history. Pretty much anyone who's interested in Monopoly should have a board of it of their own at home so i think part of the reason why they keep re-releasing these versions and these like giveaways is so that they can squeeze more blood from this stone you know it's a very dry stone at this point yeah but it keeps it keeps bleeding speaking of bleeding uh how about we actually talk about how monopoly works because while i'm sure a lot of people to some extent do understand how monopoly works I don't know how many people actually understand the full in-depth rules, because truth be told, I learned a lot about how you play Monopoly by doing this research. Well, it's super interesting, because when we were playing, we realized how many house rules there were. Like, we were trying to do things, and we couldn't do it. I I actually did not look over after we played, so I'm not sure if I have put any house rules in here or not. Mm, we shall see. Yeah. But one of the more common ones is, as everyone knows, you start off with a token to represent you. Those tokens have changed vastly throughout the history of the game. But whichever ones you have, you will also start off with 1,500 Monopoly dollars. All your tokens are placed on go. The first player is chosen at random. During each player's turn, they'll roll two six-sided dice and then move clockwise across the board however many spaces they roll. If they happen to roll doubles, as in both die are on the same value, they get to go again. However, getting this three times on the same turn, the player is considered speeding and is instead sent to jail. That's the best outcome. Going to jail is awesome. But you have to actually know how to play the game before you realize that's good. (laughs) Which we can talk about the, you know, 
socio-political parallels of that one maybe a bit later. Mm-hmm. But anytime the player passes or lands on go, they'll collect $200. And then if they ever land on income tax or luxury tax, they will pay the amount as indicated to the bank. If a player lands on a chance or a community chest space, they will draw from the talk of the appropriate deck and follow whatever instructions are on the card. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, it's always stressful. In addition to being caught speaking and drawing a go-to-jail card from one of the aforementioned decks, a player is also sent there if they land on the go-to-jail space. Landing on the jail space itself is considered just visiting, and the player is free to leave on their next turn. A player can only leave jail by paying a $50 fine, using a get-out-of-jail-free card, or rolling doubles on their turn. Failing to roll doubles while in jail results in the player skipping their turn. If a player rolls doubles and gets out of jail, they do not roll again unless they first paid the fine or used a card. It is important to note, though, that while you may skip your turn, all that really means is you just don't get to move, but you can still manage your properties, I think. Mm-hmm. That's true. Which, I, I know I briefly mentioned the uh, socio-political parallels, but that is a little mm, crime lordy, <laughs> if you will. Listen, <laughs> don't don't hate the players, hate the game. It, it just has some really weird implications that I don't necessarily know that Hasbro has thought out very well. Or maybe they have, and they're just being very underhanded and sneaky about their business practices. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is... Uh... You know, I mean, if you were to go to jail, there would still be your lawyer managing your properties in your estate. So that is kind of reflective of reality. Yeah, the only real limitation that it puts on there is that you can't directly purchase properties because you need to land on them to do that. Mm -hmm. Everything else, fair game. Mm -hmm. That being said, if a player does manage to land on a property that is unowned, they can either choose to buy it for the listed price or send it to auction where it goes to the highest bidder. A player lands on a property owned by another player, they instead pay the owner rent as dictated by the amount listed on the property card and the development level of that property. Once a player owns all the properties within the same color group, they can develop them using their turn or in between other players' turns by buying houses or hotels. That, I am sure, was a typo on my end. I don't think you can do that on other people's turns. Uh, you cannot, but you could do it on your turn. Yeah, so that, that was a typo on my part. Ignore that. I'm a professional. I'm sure there's house rules somewhere that'll let you do that. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about house rules in a hot second. Don't you worry. <laughs> so properties of a color group have to be developed uniformly. So a second house can't be built on top of a property until each individual property also has a house on it and vice versa going up. If a player needs money, they can either sell houses or hotels on properties that they own or, if a property has no houses or hotels, they can mortgage a property for half of the purchase price. The mortgage has to be repaid with a 10% interest, and mortgage properties can still be traded with other players. If a player cannot pay what is owed, they are declared bankrupt and are removed from the game. A bankrupt player's assets are handed over to the bank, and their properties are immediately auctioned off. If the debt is owed to another player, the player receives assets instead, with the exception of buildings which are returned to the bank. The last player remaining wins. So I think in there is where we see one of the most infamous house rules, which is what happens when a player goes bankrupt to their properties. Mm -hmm. And before we go too, too far into that, I actually want to talk about our own experience playing Monopoly. 
because you and I got a couple of friends together and decided to play a game. One of these friends loves Monopoly. That is true. He does really like Monopoly and he really wanted to win. It showed throughout, like literally from the start. I think on his first turn, he started haggling with us. That is true. He did try to haggle. (laughs) I don't think there was a moment, like there was no quiet space in that entire game because every time something happens, like, so let me cut you a deal. It's like, no, we, there's still so much unchecked space on the board. Yeah, well, I just remember, like, someone bought a property that, and immediately, like, immediately he was like, uh, I'll give you $3 for it. And it's like, no. Yeah, no, he was on top of everything, which I feel like is probably the way the game is intended to be played. But you, me, and the other person, we were kind of more passive about it. Like, well, let's see where things go before I start making deals, because I don't know what's... Like, you're asking me for a property that we both have a share on, and there is a third one within that color group that is yet unchecked. So why would I want to give you advantage on something I may have the better play on later? But that's a super. That brings up a super interesting point, Monopoly. I wonder if it's better to be cautious in the way that we kind of were and like wait and see how the game plays out, or to get ahead and like make those big trades. And I, think I mean, it I feel like really it's fifty fifty on that one, really. Yeah, I think it depends. Because like I was among the rest of us where I was playing a bit more cautiously, and I ended up winning. That is which, true. Though, to be fair, I believe that in large part had to do. With the one debated house rule, which is, again, what happens to properties. Mm. So here's what happened in the electronic Hasbro version that we all played, where we didn't get to modify this stuff. Or if we did, we didn't notice it and didn't think to, because what are the odds something weird would happen? Mm -hmm. And so one of the players landed on one of my spaces. I got one of the really expensive ones. They landed on it and went bankrupt immediately. Yeah. And she had been winning. Yeah, no, she was doing great. She had most of the board, and then I got all of her properties. Yeah. Like, immediately. They didn't have houses or anything on them, but they were still all mine. Like, everything immediately shifted into my favor. And from that point, it was you and the other person just trying to do whatever you could. Not really even to stop me, but to survive is what it felt like. Yeah, because she had the most property on the board, but she didn't have any complete sets. And then all of a sudden... You had all these complete sets. You had, like, a full board. I had, like, three properties. And Yeah, it was ins- Well, you had, like, the bottom row, I think. Uh, yeah, but I didn't have a complete set because no one had landed on one of the blue ones. That's right, that's right. You had you had the first one, which is, like, the The cheapest one, one. To- yeah. Yeah, the- but then the, the main ones that I had had that had messed everyone up was the opposite, which was the most expensive ones that I had, I think, at that point put, like, three houses on. Yeah, and I just kept landing on them. They like, every every turn I would land on them. It was crazy. Yeah, no, it was. Fr- from that point on, it got truly. Mal- and I think the thing I realized while playing it, there's three phases to this game. There's the initial phase where everyone's like kind of passive. There may be some people who will try and shark it early on. Mm-hmm. But then mid game, I think, is where it's the most interesting because that's where you know. That's where all the business deals go down. That's where all the trades are, where people will try and, like, work with or against other people in order to try and get ahead. And then the final phase is just survival. Once everything is set, there's no way anyone's going to make a deal, and it's just hope you run out the clock. Yeah, and then there's also, I would argue there's four phases, because there's there's a time when uh, 
you know who's winning and it's just like a slow burn as you wait for someone to go bankrupt they just like keep going around the board until they go bankrupt that's kind of like i thought the third phase as just like everything's done you just have to like it'll eventually shift into well we know who's going to win which is usually the point where most people just quit which is what happened that is true he did quit and then we just like let it autoplay well, to to be fair, on, I will vouch for him on this one. He had the worst string of luck as far as landing on stuff and getting bad community chests. While I was stringing through his things with like pinpoint precision and just be- reaping all the benefits the game had to offer. But yeah, that's kind of it was how, so weird. Well, that's how the game is designed, though. In the later half, it's designed so that if you are winning, you're you will continue to gain property, and if you are slightly behind you will continue to lose. But it's almost as if, like, because it went just beyond, oh, he's landing on all my spaces because I have so many. Because mm-hmm. eventually you also dropped down. It was just me and him. And, like, we were, I'm not going to say 50-50, but decently even to the point where I was also a little bit nervous. And I kept just threading the needle through his spaces and he had no such luck. And then whenever we would get, like, community cards, I would always get, like, you know, collect on taxes or whatever and then Mm -hmm. he would get oh i'm sorry uh you actually owe us half your money and it was just insane how much it seemed to like favor me as the one who was winning like i don't know if that was just faulty coding or if hasbro was actually malicious like that again not gonna point fingers just saying it was weird i do think it's a bit of luck right but i also do think like you know you just had you had more spaces uh his spaces were mortgaged because he kept having to pay rent to you so That's that, right, I also kept landing on his mortgage spaces. So that really helped you, yeah, because his spaces were mortgaged. Um, and then, like, the spaces that he did have that would collect rent, he had to sell his houses. So, like, you were, you were collecting exponentially, and he was collecting, like, $10. Yeah, there, there was also one other aspect of the game that I noticed that I'd never gotten to experience playing it before, because I... One, rarely ever played this game, and two, would always just be the person, like, whenever I played this beforehand, I would never, like, do trades because I didn't understand how it worked. I'd always play it too young. Mm -hmm. But now that I kind of understand how that works, like, I understand capitalism because I'm an American and have to experience that every day. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of fell into a weird trap with it where as I was getting ahead, the power kind of went to my head. Oh, really? (laughs) I mean, this may just be more telling on me as a person than anything else, but yeah, no, I kind of got into just how ahead I was and how much you guys were afraid you might land on one of my spaces. And again, that may just be because I'm competitive by nature, because that's just how I am, but I've never felt that playing Monopoly, and it was equal parts fun and concerning. It is fun, right? It's fun to be it's fun to be ahead. It's fun to like have all these properties and to kind of like be dominating the board. You feel powerful. And it's super weird because it's like a micro it's like a it's like such a small amount of power, but you feel it. It's fun to be the 1% or at least pretend to be. Yeah, you know, you feel empowered in this moment. Oh, I just wanted to say one thing that was really interesting was like we kept having these moments where we wanted to uh use certain house rules and do certain things that would make the game either go longer or kind of like change the game a little bit and we couldn't do it like like when uh one person went bankrupt we were like oh maybe we could like trade properties or something and like kind of yeah, no, wouldn't let you do that yeah won't let you do that and in my house if you go bankrupt the property doesn't go to the person who bankrupt you it went to the bank 
Yeah, which is what I thought was going to happen, which is why I was so surprised when all of a sudden I was like, I see where the logic of it comes in. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know if for the sake of a board game, I agree with it. Yeah, I mean, we did finish Monopoly super fast. We finished in like two hours. I've never finished that quickly before. Yeah, no, it was blissfully short. Yeah, because after after she, the first person, went bankrupt, it was kind of obvious to me, like, who was going to win. Like, it was kind of well, over. Yeah. <laughs> the previous winner then went to someone with the most powerful spaces. Like, yeah, no, it it, it was kind of obvious. No one fully was saying it, but it was also, we all knew. Yeah, and then the other person was trying to get me to trade him uh, my spaces so that he could... Trying to, he did! <laughs> Eventually, yeah, because I because he kept making trade offers, and I thought they were annoying, so I was like, okay. He desperately wanted to try and beat me, but sadly could not get ahead because the game was against him. It's impossible. Which... It's impossible to catch up. Like, once you're behind, that's it. Which, I, I feel like we need to at least, at the end here, have this brief little discourse about it. That's kind of how the game works because it's based on capitalism, which is how that works. Yeah, well, it's super interesting because when you go back to the roots of it, it was made about like antitrust laws. It was made about monopoly. So it is like it was originally developed to be an educational tool on why you shouldn't have monopolies and why antitrust funds are like super important. Yeah, I mean, as I said, one of the two original rule sets was an anti-monopolist one where when wealth was created everyone benefited from it and then there was the other one that became the more commonplace popular one for some odd reason i i don't know what that says about society as a whole but like even in the original core rule set of the landlord's game there was that more idealized version where now that i think about it, that one probably went on forever i don't know well, if that game would end yeah i don't think that ends i think the whole point of having the two versions is one teaches you a lesson and the other one demonstrates a better version of an economic system yeah but i guess that doesn't sell as well when the game literally never ends and it's super interesting i wonder i wonder if the the mass selling of this game and like because most people have played this game like whether or not people like it most people have yeah. played this game. I wonder how many people have internalized the messages of the game, or if it's still effective as an educational tool, even though it's sold as a toy. I feel like it depends on how old you are, because like I said, I didn't play this a lot as a kid because it was super confusing to me, because mm -hmm. a five-year-old does not understand how economics works. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and probably will not get it off of a board game. But as an adult playing it, I did get more of like, oh, I see how this game works, I understand how it relates to, you know, finances and all that stuff. But then because I also got so absorbed in, like, the power hungriness of it, it did also kind of show just how horrid and nefarious it is. I mean, the fact that the entire premise of the game, its literal namesake, we have laws in place to prevent from happening, is telling. Yeah, it's a... It's a, it's a super interesting history, I think, if anything. I think it's a really good example of something that has been commodified and changed over time, so much so that it, it it doesn't really resemble its original purpose, but can still in some way illuminate like certain values that our culture has. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So with that, I would like to end with one last question, which is, would you recommend this game to others? That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think everyone should try it. I think I think it's a really unique way of uh, playing a game, and I think it requires a lot of strategy sometimes. 
So I think everyone should try it once, and I think everyone should try the Pokemon edition. Because you get way less angry when you have, like, really cute characters. It's a lot less stressful when Charizard is the one who is charging you for however many Pokedollars. I don't know. I haven't played that one. Listen, if Nurse Joy is knocking on your door to take your Pokedollars, uh, you feel way better about it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just realized there's something I didn't write down about this. Do you know what uh, the logo's, uh, the mascot's name is? He has a name? No. What is the name? Mr. Moneybags. That's hilarious. <laughs> so with that, I think that's as good of a place as any to uh, bring this one to an end. Bingo, thank you so, so much for coming on and uh, talking about this controversial game with me. Thank you for having me and thank you for playing Monopoly with me. It was really fun. Thanks. Let's never do it again. All right. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you all so, so much for listening. Uh, until next time, I will catch you at the next Family Game Night. Tabletop Titties is a weekly tabletop role-playing podcast run entirely by people of marginalized genders. Queer, feminist, hilarious, and most importantly, fun! Our entire first season is already out now on all podcast platforms and features guests like B. Dave Walters, Josephine McAdam, and Nora Ibrahim. Join us on our D&D 5e adventure run by dungeon goddess Charlene Bear, where we played an entirely homebrewed battle royale campaign, The Wildwell Trials. Season 2 follows the same characters you know and love as they play Hit Point Press's hilarious horror carnival extravaganza Hecna. And don't worry, we don't just do D&D. We also have a World of Darkness Chronicle, Titties by Night, a Vampire the Masquerade V5 campaign. Story told by Kelly Wright, this show follows a vampire coterie of supernatural investigators in Victorian London. All our shows have professional actors, intricate editing, and storylines that keep you coming back for more. Catch us live on twitch.tv slash tabletop titties or as an edited podcast wherever podcasts are found for more information visit our website at tabletoptitties.com and whenever we say tabletop titties that's with double d's if you know what we mean